A great word last night. Brilliant again tonight. Come on. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you for the welcome, but let's give God a big clap offering tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, give him a shout of praise. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Well, before you sit down, Father, we just thank you for the anointing that is here. We thank you for this great worship that we've had tonight, Lord. The Bible says that you inhabit the praises of your people. And so we welcome you here tonight, Holy Spirit. We welcome you, Lord Jesus, Abba Father, our Father. We ask that you'll come and minister to us tonight. We ask you, Lord, to stretch out your hand over this place to heal and that signs, wonders, and miracles may be done through the name of your holy child and servant, Jesus. We ask you, Lord, as we lay hands tonight on people that they'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit, that they will be filled with boldness, Lord, that we will leave this building, Father, unashamed of who we are, but that we'll go out being Christians, Lord, and that we will set this town alight with your glory in Jesus' name. I ask you, Lord, to open up the hearts of the people, open up the ears of those that are listening tonight, Lord, that they will receive revelation and understanding of who we are in Jesus' name. Father, we bind every demonic spirit right now that would try to steal the word, Father God. We come against every hindering spirit right now. Every assignment of the enemy that has been sent forth, Lord, we cut it off in the name of Jesus. Somebody agree with me. I said we cut off every assignment of the devil in the name of Jesus. And we declare, Lord, that no weapon which is formed against us shall prosper. And every tongue that is raised up in judgment against us, we rebuke it right now. We cut it off in Jesus' name. Well, thank you, Lord. The Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty and there is freedom. And we thank you for your presence here tonight, Lord, in Jesus' name. And those who agree with me says, Amen. Amen. Give each other a high five as you sit down tonight. And God bless you. Thank you, awesome team. <laughs> Hallelujah. Good evening, everybody. It is uh, 8 o'clock. We had a great time last night. I don't know about you. Okay, it was just me. How many of you were here last night? And uh, how many of you enjoyed the word last night? And I'm just going to recap on it a little bit tonight and then continue. But we also um, had some testimonies of people being healed um, one particular lady, I hope she's here, I asked her to, to testify. Um, is she here tonight with a shoulder? Where is she? Come, come. Do you want to come and tell us? Awesome stuff. I've had a um, torn shoulder for a couple of years, and Christmas Day, my daughter threw a plastic snake at me, and I reacted and retore my shoulder, and I haven't been able to move it, lift it up sideways since Christmas time. Wow. And before Dion prayed for me over here last night, before you even laid hands yeah. on me, yeah. I could feel the pain go. It was gone instantly. And, it, and normally I'm a belly sleeper, so I lay with my shoulder down, which I shouldn't do. And as I opened my eyes this morning, I went, 
there's no pain. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That's awesome. Thank you. Praise God. How is your back, sir? Uh, the Lord touched your back last night. Do you want to share with what the Lord had done for you? Thank you, Pastor Dion. Yeah, I had uh, spinal surgery six months in the spinal unit a year and a half ago. And I wasn't supposed to live, let alone walk again. And I've, I've just suffered pain, back pain, shocking. And today I'm free of that pain. <laughs> what happened last night? Uh, the Lord blessed me. Amen. It blessed me. And Boom. the. And the <laughs> Praise God. And the pain so, is gone? Absolutely, amen. Yeah. And when I prayed, you went down under the power and, and yeah, God yeah, did yeah. an operation there on the yeah, floor yeah. for you? Awesome, awesome. Yeah. Oh. First time I've been slain in the spirit. Wow. And wow, yeah, it's just boof. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like that, boof. God, that's a miracle. God bless you, brother. Thank you. Hallelujah. <laughs> Say this with me. Say, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. is the same yes. yesterday today and forever how many of you agree and if you don't know what I just have you say is a scripture and that scripture is Hebrews 13 verse 8 that Jesus is the same yesterday today and forever I think some people are still under the impression that you know when when Jesus went up to heaven all the miracles stopped in that time I even heard some people preach from the pulpit saying that when the apostles died, that power died with them. But that's a lie of the enemy. I said that's a lie of the enemy. Jesus is still alive today. Who can say amen? His miracle working power is still available for us today. So I, I read last night, those of you who might be here for the first time tonight, in First Thessalonians chapter 1. And I just quickly want to recap a little bit of what I said, because <clears throat> I kind of like took two messages, and uh, I, I preached on half of both the messages last night, so I just want to finish it tonight. But verse 5 is the, the scripture I want to focus your attention on. Verse 5 says, Paul is, is, is writing, and he says, for our gospel did not come to you in word only. The gospel meaning good news, and then the word meaning logos, the spoken word of God. Okay, So our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power. That word power is dunamis, the baptism of the Holy Spirit power. And then he said, and in the Holy Spirit, pneuma or ruach, the breath of God. He says, and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. So there were five things that we need to understand here. When Paul came to Thessalonica, he, or Thessalonica, he, he, he said, I brought the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, meaning he preached the message of salvation. How many of you know the gospel is the message of salvation? Yeah. To preach the good news, believe in Jesus, that He is the Son of God. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. And He raised. He was raised up, went to heaven. He is seated at the right hand of God. Amen. And that He is returning again. 
Come on, I need an amen. That's the gospel. The gospel is he's coming again. It's just he didn't die and then was raised up again. He's coming to fetch his people. Boy. Come on, church. That's in a great news. How many of you know that's good news? He's coming again. There's an end time. Heaven and earth will pass away. All this that we see one day is going to come to a glorious end, and then we will reign with him forever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. Who's looking forward to that day? A new heaven and a new earth that will come. But that's not my forte to preach on that. But I do want to explain to you that we must preach this good news, the message. But... We mustn't just bring this gospel message uh, when we bring it through the word because everything that we do is based on the Bible. Who can say amen? The Bible is what our, where our faith comes from. If they, you know, we, we believe in the, in the gospel that has been written, so the gospel is the word of God. But now he says, my gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power. In power, I purposely asked um, uh, our friend and our lady friend to testify on the miracle working or, or the miracles that they experienced, the healing they experienced, because I read last night in Mark chapter 16 verse 20 that the Bible says when the disciples went out and they preached, the Lord worked with them confirming the word with the signs following. So when we preach the word there will be a demonstration of the word that is preached. In other words, the word and the power or the gospel and power go hand in hand. Hello? Why? To prove that what we preach is real. <laughs> Listen, there's, uh, last time I heard, there was over 2,000 different religions on the earth today. Think about this, 2,000 different religions. The, the Hindus serve, how many gods? 6,000 different gods or something. Think about that. It's a lot. Pastor James, I don't know if you know how many it is, but it, it's thousands, literally. They have thousands of God. Jesus, when you preach amongst the Hindus and you say, who wants to receive Christ? Well, they all want to receive Christ because to them it's just another God. And if you don't know that, go and study it. You'll see it for yourself. So what makes our gospel, our religion, our faith, what separates us from the 2,000 other uh, uh, gospels or other religions? What separates us? What makes us stand out? And I, I, I've said this before, and, and, I, and I'll truly say it again, that you can go into, and, and now we've been into all of these Asian countries, and we've been in Africa, and we've been in Russia, and I think we've been to 42 different countries. And you can go into certain countries, and you can take your Bible out, and you can try to prove what you're preaching from the Bible, and you can show them scriptures. You can show the Muslims, the, 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 the Hindus, the Buddhists. You can show them scripture. They will just tell you, we don't believe that. It's common sense. If I stood in front of you tonight, you're all Christians tonight. If I stood in front of you, and I'm not saying this degradingly or ugly or negative. I'm just trying to prove a point. If I took out the Quran and I started reading from the Quran, how many of you would believe me? You're getting my point. 
And we can go into other countries and we can preach about Jesus and we can, or we can read the Bible. And a lot of people say, well, you know, it's just a book. We don't believe in it. So how do we convince the people who we are and that our religion is the real one? You need the power with the gospel. Can somebody say, mm-hmm. You need the power. And let me tell you, now I speak to the, to the first world countries like Australia and America and South Africa and so forth. The moment you begin to preach the power with the gospel, the devil gets mad at you. The people hate to hear the truth being preached and the demonstration of the power of God. Because our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We are fighting Satan and his demons. Who can say amen? If all of you, if all of us in this room had a revelation, like I had a revelation, and I know some of you have, but when you, when you, when you grab a revelation and this revelation becomes a reality, you'll begin to do what I'm doing. No, if you take a stone and you throw it in a lake or something, that stone, when it falls in the water, it has a, what we call a rippling effect. Is that true? Faith has a rippling effect. And this is why for seven years I've been coming here and preaching with you guys, you know. And, and my motive, my, my, my um, what's the word? The Holy Spirit driving me in my style of preaching is to, to try and have you guys understand that the faith that we preach must have a rippling effect. And that God is not in a one-man show, but God needs each and every one of us sitting in this room. Can I say that again? God is desperately waiting for you to stand up and to exercise this verse that I'm preaching to you tonight. Why? Because I can't go where you are, but God has placed you there already. So what is this rippling effect? Well, I like to teach this. I've said this before here, but it's, it's a great reminder because when we preach the word, the word is logos, right? Logos is the written word. Now, there are many Christians, people who read the Bible and it is meaningless or it is dead, how many times have you read scriptures where you say, well, <laughs> just put it down. I don't know what that means. Anybody ever had that? Come on. A lot of it. You just, oh, man. I... But there's a difference when you read the word and you pray and you say, Holy Spirit, please help me to understand. Lord, open my eyes, my understanding. Give me revelation on what I'm reading. Then suddenly when you read something, the old saying is the scriptures jump out of the word, the Bible. Has anybody? Like, boom. Uh, it's, a light goes on. Who knows what I mean by that? It's, wow, I didn't, I've never seen that like that before. So what does that mean? The Logos word, which we read, goes in here for many people, goes in here and goes out here. That's why the, 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 the saying goes, the letter kills. 
Because the word that we read is just boring. For a lot of people, I said it yesterday, uh, Christianity or religion is boring. Religion is dead. Why do you want me to go to church when it's dead? I don't understand anything. You know, the guy preaches long and he speaks in the sad tone of voice, you know, and, and it's just, I don't want that. I'll rather go to a place where there's life. Who can say amen? Yeah, I'll go to the footy game. Or I'll go to the movies. I'll go, there's life. There's something happening there. That's why churches are running empty and, 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 and instead of getting fuller. Now, when you, when you read the word it, 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 and you don't get the revelation, it will be dead. But when I read the word and it comes in here, here's the rippling effect, the word falls from here to here. Now that means my understanding, my heart sees what the word is saying. That is called a rhema. A rhema. I have a revelation on what the word says. And when the word falls from here to here, the rhema, the second or the third rippling effect, now produces faith. Because I understand what it says, now I, I can begin to step out by faith. And the fourth rippling effect is my faith will now produce results. Hello? My faith will put me into action because faith without works is dead. So when I have a revelation, it's the understanding of the scripture that will put faith in me to make me go out and do something. If you don't have a revelation on tithing, you'll never tithe. If you don't have a revelation on giving, you'll never give. If you don't have a revelation on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't be interested in it. If you don't have a revelation about worshiping God and raising your hands and, and speaking in tongues, you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't want to be part of that because your mind is blocked to it. Hmm? That's why 2 Corinthians 4.10 says that, that the battle that we have is here. Satan operates in our mind. And a lot of people just have the word in their mind and it hasn't turned into a rhema. So we need to preach this gospel with the word. But when we preach the word, there must be power. And that power will come through the Holy Spirit, which will bring, which will bring a dynamic um, experience of, of seeing the word come to reality. Who believes that? I don't know. For me... It's just as clear as day. Literally. When I got saved, it was like a light switch went on. I literally went from darkness to light in one second. I don't know. I, I, I wish everybody would experience that. But it was like a curtain was taken away. And I said, wow, God, you're real. God, you are awesome. You are real. And you know what? When I started reading the Bible, when I got saved, I read right through the night. I mean, many a night, not just one night. I just read the Bible. I just read it. And it's like everything just became alive. It just There it is. Wow. Wow. You know, I smoked and I drank and I fought and I gambled and I just blah, 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 blah. But did you know, I did not once have to go for deliverance or somebody cast a demon out of me. Do you know why? The more revelation I got on this word, the more the demons just jumped out of me. 
They just left because they knew, uh-oh, he's getting it, he's getting it, he's getting it. And because he's getting it, I got to get out. I, I, there's no room for me and the Holy Spirit in the same temple. The more Holy Spirit I had, the more the demons just left. And let me tell you, I had many demons. Hello, somebody. But the word became a reality. And when that word became a reality, what was the first thing that happened to me when I understood this word? It put me into action. Three days after I got saved, I began to preach the gospel. My first altar call, 400 people got saved. Now, I know we're not all made up the same. I understand all of that. But the point is that the more you and I will study this word and we will have an understanding, a revelation, plus the power, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you what, our lives will... will Who wants more of that? So, and I do understand, and I repeat myself a lot, I'm sorry, but I know we're not the same. I know we're individuals and we, we think different and operate different. But there, one thing remains... Lord, I'm going to say, you are Aussies, I'm a South African. So, you have an Australian culture, we have an American culture, we have an African culture. Now, when you and I get born again, guess what? Our Aussie culture falls away and we take on the Christian culture. Come on, people, we take on the Jesus culture. We are not Australian or South African or or Chinese culture. We are Christians, and we take on the Christian culture. Who can understand it? And our Christian culture is based upon the Word of God. Is that making sense? And because I, I understand that I'm now a Christian, now this is my teaching is that we can do the works of Jesus. Remember, Paul says, let me read this to you. Paul says, for our gospel did not come to you in word only. So there's many churches just preach the word, but that's where they stop. He says, but also in power and doesn't just stop there, but also in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance. I like that word assurance means confidence. How much confidence do you have in what you believe in? How much confidence do you have in this Jesus that we preach? I always, I find it amusing, forgive me, uh, this is just how God made me, but I find it amusing how we can come to church and we can jump up and down and shout and we can, we can put up the show, but when we walk out there, that same love or demonstration that we have in here for Him is not found out there. Attention, heaven says, speaking to you, not to me, Hallelujah. It's amazing how we can say amen to certain things, but yet most Christians are not applying to what they are amening to. Can I say that again? Most Christians are not applying to what they agree with in the preaching of the word. Okay, now I got that off my chest. What, what does this mean? Satan, somebody say Satan. He is the father of lies. And his job... You gotta, I know I say this every year, but the devil's job is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He does not want you to have a revelation. 
He does not want you to understand faith. He doesn't want you to understand the Bible. He doesn't want you to have encounters with God. He doesn't want you to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He doesn't want you to worship Jesus. He just doesn't want you to come to church at all. That's his job. And let me tell you, he's doing a good job at it. Come on, you can say, mm-hmm. He's doing a good job at it when you look at the church world in general. So our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance. Now, John chapter 14 is what I read to you yesterday, verse 12. John chapter 14, verse 12, because Jesus is speaking. Remember, I opened the service by saying to you, Say this with me, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do you remember I had you all say that? So what Jesus says, because he is the same, what he spoke to his disciples back then, he is speaking to us, all of us in this room. That's where the amen comes in. Who agrees? What Jesus spoke to his disciples 2,000 years ago, here, what I'm about to read to you, is what he speaks to us in this room tonight. Now, here's the basics of the simplicity of faith. Either you believe this or you don't. Did that make sense? Either you're going to believe what Jesus said, not what Dion Hockey is saying, I'm just reading the word. Either you're going to believe this Logos written word, or you're not going to believe So what does Jesus say? Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, not dead, because he's still alive, he who believes will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. Can you get that on the board, please? John chapter 14, verse 12. Some of you didn't bring your Bible with, and that's just horrible. As a Christian, you should bring your Bible to church. Thank you for the amens here. You say, why? Well, how do you know what I'm reading is the truth? Now, I know we get spoiled in other churches by putting it on the board, so it's a good thing to put it on the board. But please, bring your Bible with you. And, and when, when I read these scriptures, you can underline it so that when you're busy with your personal study at home, you can find the things you've underlined, and God will remind you of what was being taught. Amen? Yeah. So come on, let's read this again. He says, Jesus is saying, Most assuredly I say to you, He who believes in me. How many of you believe in him? The works, not work, one work, but plural. The works that I do, he who believes will do also. Well, Jesus didn't just love people. He healed people. Jesus didn't just feed people. He cast out devils. I'm not getting a name in here. Jesus didn't just teach the people. He set the captives free. Are you getting what I'm doing? I'm putting the logos there, but I'm putting the power there also. Jesus taught and demonstrated. Taught and demonstrated. In Mark chapter 9, verse 35, I'll quote it to you. It says, and Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease. 
So preaching, I mean teaching, preaching, and healing always go hand in hand. I I prayed this just now earlier on. You guys agreed with me. Uh, Acts chapter 4, where they prayed and they said, Now, Lord, look on the threats and grant your servants that with all boldness, he said, stretch out your, your hand, that we with all boldness may preach your word by stretching your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of a holy child and servant Jesus. That's Acts chapter 4 verse 29. So even the disciples said, Lord, we are operating in the supernatural power, but we're going through tremendous persecution, but God give us more boldness that we can continue in this power work that you have given us. I'm not getting an amen there. Give us more boldness, Lord. We want more boldness. Do you know today, most churches are pushing away the power of God. People don't want that. Because they understand that that this is a requirement. This is what God wants us to do. Because the more we flow in this, the more people will be able to convince and help. I hope I'm making sense. So the devil says, listen to this now. Jesus said, if you believe in me, what I'm doing, you can do also. And watch. And greater works. Somebody say greater works. Imagine that. Here's the devil. He says, now who do you think you are? Do you think that you can do greater works than Jesus? When I, when I read this, that there is an immediate fight in your brain. There's an argument that comes and says, I can't do what Jesus did. I'm not Jesus. I, I'm not, I don't have that power. I don't have that ability. Yet, he said we can do it. Is that true? So we have to overcome, this is what I'm trying to do tonight, we have to overcome this thing of, I don't think I can do that. I don't think I'm good enough. I'm speaking to all these young people here tonight. The older people aren't interested. You young people need to jump up and get doing what the older people have forgotten what to do. (laughs) Hello, somebody. Huh? Amen. We need to do that. So, this is what I read. I'm going to do comparisons. The message is saying is called doing the works of Jesus. Say with me, doing the works of Jesus. So real quickly, if you just go back to verse 11, Jesus says to Philip, he says, Believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. So Jesus is saying, I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, and what I'm doing is not me, it's God in me doing it through me. Who can say amen to that? So I went to 1 John chapter 4, the first book of John chapter 4 verse 15, and I read this last night that says, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in in him and he in God. That's amazing. Because Jesus said, I'm in the Father, the Father is in me. Now you and I get born again and we invite Jesus to live inside of us. Now like Jesus, we too can say, we are in the Father and the Father is in us. Amen? What what does that mean? It means that if I pray for somebody sick tonight and God heals them, well, it wasn't Dion Hockey who healed them. It wasn't James Hewitt who healed them. It was God in us who healed you. So we can't take the glory. 
That's why many times I get so frustrated when people, and please hear my heart. I hope you know my heart. But when people begin to applaud and say, ooh, the man of God, the man of God, the man of God. Man, the man of God can do nothing. It's Jesus. It's God in us. I know that Bible says give honor where honor is due. But, you know, sometimes we, we lift up men too much where we should exalt Jesus all the time. Amen. We can do nothing. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can do nothing. But tell your neighbor, God in you can do everything. Who can say amen? Verse 16 says, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us, for God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. So God is love. When we receive Christ, we receive that same love. Verse 17, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. And I got you to say this last night. It says, because as he is, so are we in this world. Did you get that? Yeah. As he is, so are we. Who's he speaking about? Us, the Christians. So when Jesus said, if you believe in me, what I'm doing, you can do also. And when that thought comes and says, no, I can't do it, then that, that I can't do it is a lie of the devil because Jesus said, as I am, so can you be. Am I lying or am I speaking the truth? Matthew chapter 3 is where we ended off with last night. That says, Matthew 3 verse 13, if you can get it on the board and just follow me as I go through these scriptures. It says, then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. So we got to the baptizing part. Jesus Christ, as a fully grown man, was water baptized. He was not sprinkled as a baby. He was, as a fully grown man, water baptized by full immersion. I need an amen there. Huh? He went out under the, under the water. They, they dunked him. They put him under the water. On, on Sunday night, we're going to have a water baptism. Hallelujah. And if you haven't been water baptized, if you haven't been dunked, and you've given your heart to Jesus, Mr. and Mrs. Christian, if you love Jesus, you'll do what Jesus did, and you'll get yourself baptized ASAP. I'm not asking you, I'm telling you. Because I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ. Oh, yeah. Who agrees with what I just said? I'm a follower. If it was good enough for him, listen to this, simple. If it was good enough for him to do it, then it's good enough for me to do it. Amen. So if you haven't given your name up, I'm encouraging you now, okay? I know I'm very straightforward in my speaking, but I'm encouraging you. Please, please get water baptized on Sunday. Because something marvelous will happen to you. That, that reality of Jesus will get even bigger. The obedience, the step, what Stephen preached on, the step of obedience is something powerful. huh? And God smiles at you when you get baptized. He's happy when you do that. I'll prove it to you. Because it says, he, Jesus came to be baptized, uh, verse 15, it says, And Jesus answered and says to, to uh, uh, John, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting f uh, for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. And when Jesus had been baptized, he came up immediately. Somebody say, he came up. Came up. 
So to come up, you had to go down. Amen. He came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and sitting upon him. I'll get back to that. But look at verse 17. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. If God the Father was happy with Jesus to be fully baptized and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, can we all agree that God will be happy and pleased with us if we are following His Son, Jesus Christ? Come on, God will be happy. He will be pleased with you. So don't think, well, you know, what will, what will my minister say or what will people say about if I get... Who cares? It's what God says. Come on, give him praise if you agree. It's what God says. It's what he wants us to do. All right. So I said it last night. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all the nations, then baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus got water baptized. You and I get water baptized. As he is, so are Right? As he is, so are we. So if he got water baptized, I get water baptized. Amen. Now, the Bible says the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus. What does that mean? He receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What did Paul say in Thessalonians? He said, our gospel that I'm bringing to you is not in word only, but in power and in the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus, you can read this from this part of the Bible where Jesus is baptized before the baptism, water baptism and baptism of the Holy Spirit, Jesus did not perform any miracles. Nothing. He didn't do any miracles. Why? He was not empowered to do so. So Jesus knew that he had to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit to fulfill his destiny. Hmm. How many of you know the Jews are strict in their laws? How many of you know the Jews, uh, you know, uh, if somebody said, I'm God or I'm the son of God, if you, if you understand the Jewish tradition, well, that's called blasphemy. You cannot say, I'm God. They will kill you. In actual fact, the, the punishment for doing that is stoning them to death, according to the Jewish tradition. So picture this. Here's Jesus, uh, the Son of God, who comes to the earth now, and, and he lives amongst us. And, and, and Jesus grows up in the traditions of the Jews. And as he grows up in these traditions, he has a revelation of who he is. Who understands that? Jesus had a revelation. I'm the Son of God. I am God. But now he begins to think. I can just imagine this. I can't prove it, but I'm just, I, I'm imagining. Jesus is saying to God, he says, Daddy, I know who I am. But Daddy, you know these Jews. If I tell them I'm God, they're going to kill me. So Daddy, what, what am I going to do to prove to them who I am? And Daddy God says, don't worry, son. I have a plan for you. How many of you know God always has a plan for us? <laughs> That's why if you now go back to, to watch this verse 15, Jesus says to John the Baptist, he says, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. 
We always read this, but most people don't understand what this verse means. Why did he say to John, John, you must baptize me? Because when you baptize me, the written word is going to come or become a reality. Something's going to happen to me when I get water baptized. John didn't understand these things, but Jesus did. Jesus knew, God, you're going to help me. How am I going to convince these Jews of who I am? And so God says to Jesus, son, at the right time, I'll tell you, you're going to go and get baptized, and the following will happen to you. Somebody says, what will happen? Well, I I thank you for asking that. Go with me to Isaiah. (laughs) Go to Isaiah chapter 11. Who believes in the Bible? So in Isaiah chapter 11, we find here that there's a prophet, Isaiah, who prophesies hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus Christ. He prophesies about Jesus. And look what he says. Verse 1, he says, There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. Now, when you go and study it, that's a capital letter. It's speaking about the Messiah, Jesus. And he says, A branch shall grow out of his roots. How many of you know this is speaking about Jesus? Amen. Now watch verse 2. Verse 2 is powerful. He says, The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. It's on the board there. Can you see? The Spirit of the Lord shall rest. Say it with me. Shall rest. Not in him. Upon him. Now this is the, this is the, the difference, I believe, of, of regular church and power church. Pentecost. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. That means empowerment. He's going to receive power. Now remember, this is Isaiah speaking about Jesus here. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The Spirit of wisdom and of understanding. I like to teach it like this. It is the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, number one, will rest upon him. Number two, the Spirit of wisdom. There it is. Number three, the Spirit of understanding. Number four, the Spirit of counsel. Number five, the Spirit of might. Number six, and the Spirit of knowledge. And number seven, the fear of the Lord. So he's speaking about seven spirits. If you don't mind there, would you get Revelation chapter 1 on the board, please? Revelation chapter 1. Is anybody still with me? Yeah. This, this book is an amazing thing to read. The Bible is full of life. The Bible is full of revelation. I'm not getting one amen. The Bible is real. The Bible is truth. Verse 4 In Revelation 1 verse 4 says, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And look at this. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. So he's speaking about seven spirits. 
What are these seven spirits? These seven spirits are what I have referred to you in Isaiah chapter 11. He is the Holy Spirit. He is wisdom. He is understanding. He is knowledge. He is might. He is the fear of the Lord. Is anybody getting what I'm saying here? He is the spirit of counsel. So when you and I receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, not only do we receive power to do the miraculous, but we also receive seven different attributes of the Holy Spirit, like wisdom, like understanding, like counsel. Man, I like that. Huh? Yeah, you can give God a clap offering because God loves us so much that He wants to take you from this, this puny little person that you are and He wants to exalt you and He wants to make you a, 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 a king of some great importance. How many of you know we are of great importance to God the Father? And when we get saved, we get promotion. I was thinking this afternoon, I was meditating while I'm speaking to the Lord. And, uh, you know, I, I, I happened to read an, a news thingy on my, on my phone uh, about the king. And I know it's the queen's birthday that you guys were celebrating today. But I was thinking to myself, you know, when I look at the, the article was about Prince Harry. I think Prince Harry is visiting Africa now at this moment in time. And I was thinking about the prince and all the princes, and I was thinking about the royal family, and I was thinking about Queen Elizabeth, you know, and not once, and if anybody can prove me wrong, I'll be glad for you to do that, but I have never seen a photo or a picture taken of the princes looking poor, dilapidated, and broken down. Who can agree? They always have on the best clothing. They drive the best cars. They live in the best houses. Why? Because they belong to royalty and they are royalty. I didn't get an amen there. They are royalty. I've had the privilege in South Africa um, to preach uh, and to minister and to go into a, a, a king and a queen's house in our, in our country. There's kings and queens actually just uh, just whatever, and, and the princes and princesses. And let me tell you, when I walked in, in that place, I was treated as royalty because they are royalty. Yeah. And doesn't matter what nationality, doesn't matter what color of skin, these people were wealthy. And they had it all. Who understands that? It was just beautiful to go in there and to experience this. So what's your point, Dion? We serve the king of kings. We serve God the Father, creator of the universe. And it, when you and I give our hearts to God, we are born into royalty. Come on, we are born into kingship. We are born into, into magnificence. We are born into glory. Hallelujah. Yet I don't see the Christian people operating like that. Amen. But why not? Because we have to change this mindset that we have. We have to change it. Can I have, my, can I have your iPad, Stephen? My mind's just died out. 
So there are seven spirits before the throne. So yes, Jesus, he's praying and he's saying, Father God, please, um, you got to help me. I don't know how I'm going to convince these Jews of who I am. So God, what do you have a plan? And God says to Jesus, go and study the book of Isaiah. So Jesus, in this age of, of uh, from baby to 30, he's studying the scriptures and he comes upon the book of Isaiah. Who can agree? And he has this revelation. Hey, Father, you are going to give me the Holy Spirit, which is going to empower me to go and do the work that I have to do. Who understands that? Now he comes to John the Baptist. John the Baptist says, I can't baptize you. It's impossible. But Jesus says to John the Baptist, John, you have to baptize me for it is written or all righteousness must be fulfilled in other words John if you don't baptize me Isaiah will not come into fulfillment over my life And, and John, because you don't understand, you haven't had the revelation I've had, baptize me now because when you baptize me, God will empower me. And when he empowers me with the Holy Spirit, I can now with much assurance and confidence be and do what I'm called to do. Come on, who gets what I'm saying? Now, if you and I, Paul says this in Thessalonians, he says that you are to imitate, to follow me as I follow Christ because I have a, 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 a confidence, I have an assurance of who I am in Christ because of what not just Jesus did for me, but how he had paid the price for us as well through the Holy Spirit. Is anybody still okay? Are you, are you, are you with me? Amen? So... Jesus, let me say this quickly. Are you, are you watching this? Jesus walks into the River Jordan as Jesus of Nazareth, the man. So he steps into the river as a man. John the Baptist baptizes him. The Holy Spirit comes upon him. And when Jesus steps out of the river... He doesn't walk out now as Jesus of Nazareth, but he now steps out as Jesus the Christ. Listen to this. He is now Jesus the Christ, the anointed one. Who believes that? We know this. He is the anointed one. Now the question is, how did he get anointed? Through the Holy Spirit. Who agrees? When the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus, he was anointed and he was appointed to go and do the work that God had called him to do. Say with me, as he is, so are we. So Jesus is water baptized. Matthew 28, Jesus says we must be water baptized. But now Jesus says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, but you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the outermost parts of the earth. So Jesus receives the power. Now Jesus says to you and I, I'm going to give you the power. And when we receive the power through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what else do we receive? We receive an anointing. You didn't hear that. You receive an anointing. Go to 1 John chapter 2 real quickly. The first book of John. I hope I'm not boring you tonight. 
I want you to get this, people. You guys are anointed of God. I said, you guys are anointed. And if you haven't received the baptism, you will this week receive the baptism and you will be anointed. There should have been another amen. Yours is also dying just like mine. <laughs> Look at verse 20. 1 John 2 verse 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. Okay, you didn't get that one. I'll read it again. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. Say this with me. Say, I have an anointing. And say this, I know all things. Now, the devil say, you know nothing. But God says, you know all things. He said, but I don't know nothing. But God says, no, you do, because you have an anointing. And the anointing you have received from God is in you. And God is the anointed one, and he knows everything. Who can say amen? He is the spirit of wisdom. He is the spirit of knowledge. He is the spirit of counsel. He is the spirit of might. So you know all things. It's just I haven't gotten to the place of understanding it. We need to get to that place. This is what I'm trying to teach you. But let's stick to the basics tonight. The basics says, as he is, so are we. So Jesus Christ is the anointed one because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now you and I are also anointed because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Verse 27. I like this one. Verse 27 says this, and I know I'm skipping verses, but he says, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. In other words, the Holy Spirit is our best teacher. He anoints you and he teaches you. I'm going to say it again. He anoints you and he teaches you. So you can't come and tell me I can't do the works of Jesus. Because number one, that's a lie. Jesus said you can. And number two, when you say, but how am I going to do that? The anointing will teach you. <laughs> the anointing will teach you. So that first day when I got saved, I shared my testimony on Sunday morning. And when I prayed for that lady whose leg was broken and the bone went back into the leg, you know, and God covered the leg up and this lady was running around. Well, I'm three days old in, in the Lord. I don't even have a Bible. I haven't gone to Bible college. I don't go to deliverance school, you know, or demonology classes or whatever you want to call it. I had no understanding of that stuff, but I had the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I remember when this old lady was running around healed, the people came running forward to me. It was amazing. Uh, there was, you know, like 400 people just rushed at me, and they wanted, to lay, uh, wanted me to lay hands on them. Well, there was a lady. Is all okay? Oh, thank you. There was a lady who stood in front of me, and um, she was a big mama, a big one. And she stood in her shirt was doing this, like that. 
And I said, what's wrong? And she held her chest like this. She said, my heart, my heart is so sore. And I said, oh. And uh, I put my hand on her head to pray for her heart because you could see her heart was pounding so hard. And when I put my hand on her head, remember, I'm three days old. I have no knowledge about anything. I put my hand and I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to heal her. And the next minute, her eyes roll back and she begins to do a funny thing. She goes, and I'm looking and she falls on the ground and she goes like a snake all over the place and I'm thinking what in the world is that and then uh, the pastor who was with me says that's a demon I said a what he said it's a demon I said what's a demon I don't know what it is he said it's the devil I said what do I do with this thing (laughs) it's true what do you do with it but the Holy Spirit was there to teach me hallelujah no Bible college or no no nothing the Holy Spirit said to me Put your hand on that thing and tell it to come out in Jesus' name. I said, "Mm mm-mm, it's going to bite me. I'm not touching that thing. (laughs) It's true. And I put my hand on the head. You know, she was going all over the place. And I said, Satan, uh, you know, your demon in Jesus' name, come out. And she went, And I said, oh, I killed her. She's dead. (laughs) It's scary when you do this for the first time, you know. And she just lay there on the floor, her eyes rolled back. All the people stopped, was looking, you know. I'd never seen that, never seen that before. And so I waited about three minutes, and then the next minute she sat up. I said, hallelujah, she's not dead. <laughs> and as she sat up, her chest was doing this, double, like that. And I said in my, heart, you know, my mind, I'm saying, what is that? And God said to me, she's got another demon. I said, another demon. But now, once you've tasted the power and you've seen that anointing, well, guess what? You get bold and you get brave. And, I, and you know, we picked her up. I put my hand on the head and I said, all you demons that are in there. <laughs> Hallelujah. I said, I command you in the name of Jesus, come out. And you could hear from a stomach this voice. Oh, and it literally went down the aisle oh, and out the building. Come on, we serve a mighty God, a miracle working God. Hallelujah. You do not need that anyone teach you. But does that mean I don't have to go to Bible college? No, I'm not saying that we study the word, amen, to, to, to prove ourselves, to know the scriptures. That's what I'm doing. I'm teaching you. But when you find yourself in a situation, God is there to teach you. I said God is there to teach you. I remember uh, I, I was ministering, and, and there was a, an American uh, evangelist who came to South Africa, and he stayed with us in the house. I was still young, 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 young in the Lord, and, and I thought to myself, man, it was so exciting. I was so happy to have this guy in our house. And, you know, he operated in the supernatural. He operated in the miraculous. I saw him one evening. He prayed for somebody whose leg was shorter than the other one. And this was fascinating. He called me and he said, come, come and watch this. And so I knelt on my knees and I watched this leg. He prayed for a guy who was maybe about an inch and a half shorter than the other one, undeniable. And he prayed and that leg just went zoop and it grew out. And I thought, hallelujah. And he said to me, you can do the same. And I said, yes, I can. I took that word immediately. And I remember we did an altar call. The evangelist had gone away and just regular church. And, and I was preaching that morning. And there was a man who came in in the church on crutches. And he had suffered from polio. Who knows polio? 
and uh, he, had a, he had a boot on six inches like that, shorter than the other leg. Six, he, he was up there. And I was preaching and I gave an altar call. I'm telling you, I, I'm not about a year old in the Lord. Uh, and and uh, I, I, I'm preaching and I give an altar call and this guy comes forward for salvation. And I was so excited. And we took him, you know, in the back in the prayer room and gave him the cards and all of that. And while he was sitting there, he had this big old shoe with a brace on. And I remember the Lord said to me, well? And I said, well, what? (laughs) He said, are you going to let this man walk out of here as crippled as he is? Are you going to pray for him? I said, Lord, I'll pray for him. He said, do you have the faith? I said, I sure do. I saw the American do it. If he can do it, so can I. And I remember that man, you know, it was scary because I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to do it. I just remember the American did that. This is where my saying comes from, monkey see, monkey do. You know, copy. Paul said, copy me as I copy Jesus. So many times, if you don't know how to pray for somebody, well, copy us. Doesn't have to be me, but you can learn from how I do it. You observe other people who understands that. And so I, I went to this guy. I mean, he's just this old sinner who got wonderfully saved, you know, and, and he was an alcoholic and a, he had lots of lots of problems. And we were sitting in the prayer room, it was me and, the, and another pastor. And um, I said to him, Sir, can I pray for that leg? And he looked at me, he said, Sure, but why? I said, Because you got a short leg. Would you like it to be the same length as the other one? He said, uh, Gee, I never thought about that. (laughs) I said, well, you know what? I can pray God can heal you right now. He said, well, okay. I said, take off that shoe. That was scary. Because when he took it off, there's this little short leg. And I said, Lord, are you going to help me? What am I to do? And the Lord said, well, do what the American did. So I said, sit down. He sat down. I, I picked his feet up. And his leg is now back there, almost up to his knee, you know. And I said, Lord, what must I do now? He said, well, ask me to heal him. I said, okay. I said, Father, I ask in the name of Jesus, please let this leg grow out. Zoop, it goes one inch out. I looked, he looked, and we both in disbelief said, did you see that? He said, I did. Did you see? I I did. I said to the pastor, did you see that? He said, "Mm mm-hmm. I said, Lord, can you do it again? Zoop. Whoa, this is something. And I prayed again, Lord, I ask you to heal that leg. And suddenly it just went, and the whole leg grew out six inches. That was my first miracle like that. It was powerful. Powerful. The anointing that you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and it's true and it's not a lie, and so it will abide in you forever. Hallelujah. God will teach you, family. Aren't you excited about that? So you don't have to stress out about how am I going to do this or what's going to happen. Just go and do it. We had a two-week revival. I don't know if I've shared this testimony here before, but uh, uh, the Fonavestas and sitting back there would remember this. We were in, a two, in the height of a two-year revival in, in our home church, and I was busy preaching the one night. The place was packed out, and um, while I'm preaching, there was a balcony in the church, and while I'm preaching, the Lord says to me, and I, I forgive me if I've shared this testimony, but while I'm on it, you know, the Lord says to me, there's a Satanist who's coming to your meeting to disrupt your meeting, and I'm busy uh, uh, preaching, and I said, oh, okay, Lord. 
I said, what do you want me to do? Now, that while I'm speaking, this is going on in my head. I'm speaking to the Lord. He says, um, the Lord says, call out people with short legs. Then you can pray for them. And I said, okay. And while I'm preaching, I stopped. I said, the Lord just spoke to me and said, there's, there's somebody here with a short leg. You, uh, God wants to heal you. And way up in the balcony, a hand went up. Were you there that night? The hand went up. And um, this, I said to the person, I was a young man, I said, young man, come on down. I want to pray for you. God's going to heal you. There were over 400 people sitting there that night. And this young man goes down and he walks. And as he walks down the steps, the Lord says to me, that's the Satanist. He's come to disrupt your meeting. I said, cool. <laughs> and so <laughs> I take a loose chair and I put it on the platform. And uh, this young man comes hobbling along, you know, and he gets up and I said, um, do you believe God can heal you? And he looked at me and he said, no, I don't believe that. I said, well, sit down. In any case, God's going to heal you. So he sits down and um, I purposely let the short leg be on the audience side. So I pick his leg up and there's his leg about two inches shorter than the other one. And as he sits there, I said, do you believe in Jesus Christ? He said, no, I don't. I said, the Lord spoke to me and said, you're a Satanist who's come to disrupt my meeting. He said, how did you know that? I said, because God's alive and he speaks to me. I said, but to prove to you that this God that we serve is real and that the devil you serve is a liar, God will heal you. And I, and I, and I picked his leg up. It was so awesome. And I prayed and that leg just zoop came out. And when it grew out, he looked at me and I, and I said, isn't that wonderful? The audience here, everybody clapping hands. He said, wow. I said, do you believe that? He said, No. I said, you don't believe that what God has just done is real? He said, no, I don't believe it. I said, then I'm going to ask the Lord to take the leg back. <laughs> do you remember that yet? Huh? Who, do you guys were there? I said, Lord, take this leg back. And the leg zoop, went back again. And his eyes went this big. He said, huh? I said, do you believe now? He said, no, I don't. I said, because you don't believe, I'm going to ask the Lord to take it double back. I've only done this once in 28 years. <laughs> and when I prayed, God is my, there's witnesses. The leg went back about four inches more even, just went back. And he was sitting there with a short leg like this. And I said to him, do you believe now? He said, I believe. I said, well, too bad. I'm going to leave you like that. <laughs> I did. And he said, no, 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 please, please pray for me. Please pray for me. I don't want to be like this. I said, would you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? He said, yeah, 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 I'll do that. I said, then pray after me. He gave his heart to Jesus. I prayed, zip, the Lord went back. The leg went back. And that young man went to Bible college. And he began to study the word. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hey, don't mess with God. I said, don't mess with God. Why did I share the testimony? I have no idea. But God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I want you to say this with me. Say, I am anointed by God with the Holy Spirit. Say, as He is. So am I. As he is. Come on, close your eyes. Say, as he is. So am I. I am anointed. Like Jesus Christ. I also have an anointing. I can do the works of Jesus. Greater works I can do. Because he said so. I believe it. I don't doubt it. In the name of Jesus.
Because God is on my side. Because God is for me. Every lie of the enemy. I bind it. Now. In the name of Jesus. I resist this, the thought of failure. In Jesus name. Lord. If you are for me. Who can be against me? I thank you tonight for the empowerment of your Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. I believe tonight I will receive a fresh anointing when hands are laid on me. And I'm going to use what you give me like Jesus. I'm going to leave this place and I'm going to find sick people. And I'm going to find people who, are, who don't know Jesus. And I'm going to preach Jesus, the gospel to them. And I will pray for them. Come on, believe it. Say, I'll pray for them. And you will heal them. And I promise God to give you the glory in Jesus' name. Put your hand on your heart. Say this, Father God, remove all fear. Remove all doubt. Remove all unbelief in my life in Jesus' name. I will not listen to the lies of the enemy. Do you believe that tonight? Jesus, I pray tonight, Lord, as I lay hands on your people. My God, I'm asking you, baptize them with fire. Baptize them with fire, Lord. Cause a boldness to rise up inside of them like never before. Lord, I'm reminded of your scripture that says, When I am weak, then I am strong. For it's not by might, my might, nor by my power, but it's by your spirit. In Jesus' name. That young man with the long blonde hair, come here, sir. Is that your wife? Come here, wifey. What is your name? Anthony. Anthony. Do you live here in Gladstone? Where's your home church? This is your home church. I've never seen you before. I mean, in my meetings, have you, have you been in my meetings before? Is this the first time? A long time ago. Anthony, and your name? Hayley. Hayley. How old are you guys? 35, 36. In worship tonight, you know, um, I'm not a prophet. I don't call myself a prophet. But sometimes the gift of prophecy will come upon me. And uh, are you guys, are you, you saved? I, I, I believe that. And you go to, uh, and, and are you baptized in the Holy Spirit? Not yet, you are. When, when I was worshiping, you know, just you stood there like a, like a boom, a light upon you. And I said, Lord, what are you telling me? And I believe the Lord said, I'm calling you both, you especially, into the full-time ministry. That you are to preach the gospel. That you are to allow signs, wonders, and miracles to flow through you. Is this a confirmation to what I, I'm sharing with you? Is this making sense? 
But the thing is that you've been running or you weren't sure about yes or no. But I just sense that the Lord is saying, yes, the both of you will operate as one because you are married. And the, I know well, <laughs> I can see in your face like, oh, no, Lord, not that. Mm-mm-mm-mm. I, don't worry. It's not something that's going to be kaboom and there you are preaching from a platform. It is now a time of you growing. I'm hearing the Lord saying you are going to get far more involved in the church than you've ever been before. But the only way you will get involved is if you make yourself available. Now, when I make myself available, and this is for everybody listening now, when I make myself available for God, I become adaptable. And when I become adaptable, that means that I will change in certain areas of my life to allow Him to work through me. But young man, I hear the Lord saying very clearly that you are called in the fivefold ministry and the, the word evangelist will rise up. You are going to operate and you are going to come to a time where you will travel, the both of you, and you will travel and you will preach the gospel with signs, wonders, and miracles following you. I sense that is of the Lord tonight. So... The question is, what do I do with a word like this? Well, there's a couple of things. If it is a confirmation which you were nodding your head, you know that's been there. Maybe it's just never been spoken out directly as it has been, but it's been lying dormant there. Now it's been spoken. So you can take this word and you can what we call shelve it. You can put it on a shelf and say, well, you know what? I'm not throwing that word away and say, ah, that's rubbish. If you do that, that'll bring trouble to you. Don't ever do that. But you can put it there and say, okay, God, when the time is right, then you'll take that off the shelf and you'll begin to apply it in my life. But I believe that you're not going to shelve this because the time is little. And the Bible says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So God is going to do a quick work inside of you. And he's going to raise you up. And you're going to operate supernaturally. Don't be amazed that in the time to come, you're going to maybe go on a mission strip or you're going to go out somewhere and God's going to start using you in the supernatural. You will preach. If you haven't gone to a Bible college or a school, go and study or learn something. Uh, ask Pastor James to guide you in this. And, they, and, and God just, I just see this. It's just going to, you know, beautiful. I see roses. I, I see a bush of roses that's just, you know, in the, in the movies when they show it in, in high speed, the rose like that. That's you. I see the rose just budding. And I see many, many roses, not just one, many. So the Lord is saying there will be many fruits. And, the, and <laughs> Joseph's multicolored coat will be on your life. In other words, it's not just going to be an operation of one form of gift or one style. There's going to be a multiplication. Now, remember, God gives us talents. And when we work with one talent, he'll multiply it. And when we work with that, he'll multiply it. Do you receive this word from the Lord? Do not fear. Because God says, I will make a way for you and I will, pro I will provide for you in every area. See, when God calls us, he'll provide for us. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you that this anointing of the evangelist will be stirred up inside of him and inside of his wife, Lord. 
I thank you, Father God, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the outpouring of your Spirit tonight in Jesus' name. I ask you, Father, to do a quick work in Anthony's life. I ask you, Father God, that um, the scales that has been placed on his eyes and his ears will now be bound and fall off in Jesus' name. And I ask you, Lord, like Paul who laid hands on Timothy and he said to Timothy, Timothy, stir up the gift. I'm asking you tonight that Anthony and his wife, Father, will stir up this gift. I pray that there will be no fear, that there will be no um, uh, confusion to come upon them. But, Lord, that they, will, that they will just go with the flow as you lead, as you guide, and as you open up doors, Father. But I release this anointing upon my life, on Anthony's life, and that you will stir him up to do a mighty work for you and your kingdom in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, for the anointing. We bless them. We pray for your Holy Spirit to touch them in Jesus' name. Bless her, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you. Thank you, Lord. How many of you in this room would like to do the work of an evangelist? Come quickly. Those of you who want to do the work of an evangelist, I'm not saying you are, but you want to do it, come on down here. I want to lay hands on you real quickly. Come on, surely there must be more. I just preached my heart out to all of you. There must be more. Kate, are you willing to get on the platform? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This uh, young man, come here. Come stand here. What's your name? Dexter. How old are you, Dexter? Have you ever walked past a bakery? And when the fresh bread comes out of the oven, have you ever smelled that? No? We're going to have to find a bakery tomorrow and go and do it. <laughs> You've never smelled the fresh bread come out of the oven? I'm sure you have. What's that uh, bakery down here by... What do, you, what do you call your bakeries that you have? Craig's Bakery. Brumbies. That's the one I was thinking about, Brumbies. I hear the Lord saying that, do you love Jesus? Let me ask that first. You do? Have you given your heart to Him? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? You're in the oven, young man. And the bread is busy baking. Now, I don't know if you know, when you put flour and stuff in the bread, they put another ingredient. I'm not a baker, but it causes the bread to rise up. Can you see that? A bread has to rise up when it gets ready. 
while you're in a, in a preparation phase of rising up. In other words, the Lord's cooking you. He's made baking you. But I believe the Lord is saying that it's not going to be 20 years or, you know, it's going to be in, in a short period of time that He's going to take you out of the oven. But you're not ready yet. But when He takes you out of the oven, that smell, that fragrance is going to attract a lot of people. And as it attracts people, you'll begin to tell them about Jesus. Because Jesus is the bread of life. You understand that? And the Lord is saying that you're going to preach the gospel. You're going to, you're going to be a witness for Jesus. And I believe the Lord is saying that He's not just going to have you preach amongst your friends, but you're going to preach from a pulpit in churches. Do you believe that? Would you like to do that? Then lift your hands. Father, I release this anointing. Lord, I thank you that as the time draws near for the bread to be taken out of the oven, so, Lord, you will take this young man out of the oven. And he will release a fragrance like never before. And he will preach the bread of life, the good news of Jesus. And that signs and wonders truly will follow him as well, Father. For as he observes and learns and watches, Lord, you are getting him ready for the greater things to come. I release upon him this fresh baptism of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I ask you that you will deliver him from wicked and unreasonable men. People who will stand in his way to stop him from the destiny and the call you have for him, Lord. I ask you to now, now, Lord, cut off those wrong relationships in the name of Jesus. And I ask you, Lord, to surround him with godly men and godly women. Father God, in Jesus' name. For when the enemy comes in, Lord, like a flood, your Holy Spirit will raise a standard against them. Now, Father, I know that he's not fully understanding what I'm saying and prophesying over him, Lord. But I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you will come and that in his own private time, he will then have an encounter with you. Lord, that you will speak to him and show to him the things he needs to do. I release the anointing of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego upon him, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that he will be like those three men who will not compromise, who will not bow their knee to another God, but who will stand for you, Lord. I thank you, Father, for this anointing upon him. May he become a strong leader, and may he have great influence amongst the people around him. In his household, he will have no honor. For the Bible says a prophet has no honor in his own household. But Lord, he will receive honor from elsewhere. And people will recognize and acknowledge the call and the gift that is upon his life. I ask you now to stir up this anointing. To stir up this gift in Jesus' name. Stir it up, Lord. Fill him, Lord. Baptize him with your power in Jesus' name. Would you lift your hands towards heaven? And would you mind worshiping him just a little bit with me? 
as we bring honor and praise to Him. For He is worthy. He's worthy, He's worthy, He's worthy. For I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying tonight, like a person who will go, who has kidney failure, who will go for dialysis, I hear the Lord saying tonight, you are in a process of blood cleansing tonight. I hear the Lord saying that some of you have allowed certain things to enter into your life. But tonight I'm coming by my blood, says the Lord, and I'm washing out that filthiness and I'm washing out that, that infection that has come to you, says the Lord. In other words, the doubt, the fear, the, the concerns, the unbelief, even some trials and testings that you've gone through. The Lord says, see, tonight I'm moving it out of you and I'm cleansing you. I'm pumping new fresh blood inside of you. And you shall rise up, says the Lord. And like a cannon that shoots the cannonball out, so says the Lord, I will shoot you out of my cannon. And you will bring much damage to the kingdom of the devil. If you will be faithful and if you will be strong, and if you will stay hooked to me, I will use you in a mighty way. So do not fear, says the Lord. Do not be afraid of the people's faces. To the young people, the Lord is saying, do not look at the faces of the people. Do not say, I am too young. Do not say that I am not able. For the Lord says, I have put my word in your mouth and you shall speak what I say you shall speak and you shall do what I say you shall do. Do not worry about other people's opinions. Do not worry about what people might say or think. Do not worry about the persecutions because I said rejoice in persecution. Rejoice in times of tribulation and times of hardship. Because that rejoicing means there's a testing of your faith. A testing of your faith. But be strong tonight, says the Lord. Be strong. For it's not by your might nor by your power but by my spirit. Sing it. Holy Spirit, rain down. Oh, that song you're doing right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I ask you for the 